This is our podcast called... Here's What We Know. Great. I'm, thanks for picking that up. Here's What We Know is a competitive learning podcast. Which we're figuring out, too. This, this is episode one. And so, I guess the mechanics of this podcast is we both have topics and we don't know the other person's topic. We just um, pressed random on Wikipedia a couple Is that what times. you did? That's I had not a, what you did? I had a topic in mind. Oh. Well, I pressed random on Wikipedia, which I guess might just be my shtick for this okay. podcast. Yeah. Um, until I found something that wasn't um, a European soccer player. <laughs> there's so uh, many soccer players on that random. I think Wikipedia is just a catalog of everyone who's ever played football those 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 football hooligans sure love to record everything about every player in wikipedia yes. and it's always like just three sentences like was born in austria and, and this article is a, stub. is a sandwich yeah i know it's stupid it's and then that. you get those weird like just country <laughs> region regions of countries too that i've never heard of because there's so many of them which is pathetic but anyway so what we don't yeah, know and here's what to... we know is the other person's topic yes um, and a, um, a bit more Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will be rewarding points oh, yeah. for um, random things that the other person can guess within our yeah. topic. We'll have like five five questions, but I guess if you guess ahead of us of what we're going to say. Nah, no. yeah, the point goes to you. Yeah, yeah, okay. you, you get points. Woo! Okay, so, so you can, keep do you, tra- do you can tally that up by yourself. Um, yeah, we're not going to keep track. You're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Well, we could keep track. Um, and then the end. There's a there's a grand prize for mm-hmm. every episode. Yeah. Um, which will be revealed. The next episode. The next episode. <laughs> no, I we don't have a prize this episode. The prize this episode what? is bragging rights, for the next episode. Um, how about the last four Oreos? Deal. All right. Last shake four on Oreos. It. Spit and shake. Goes to the winners. I didn't spit. Do oh. I need? <laughs> Gross. Ooh, gross. <laughs> uh, okay. Add a handshake handshake sound effect in there. <laughs> what does a handshake sound like? <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um. Uh. I can go first. Okay. Get your okay notes. All right. I this better be thoroughly researched. Right. You might want to. I think you might want to research... direct that. Away from isn't me. bad let me just bring up evernote evernote yeah have you ever it's like a little elephant nope it's like just a note taking app i use google keep um i think my laptop came with that on it but i can't find it it is a chromebook anymore. so it probably so, does okay Alrighty. all right okay so i can you keep track of how many questions i ask you because I haven't written them out. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Um, just let's, like, not go over five. Okay. All right. I'll just keep track of the points. And if I go over five, I'll okay. let you know. Solid, solid. Okay. <laughs> so, I am going to tell you a little bit about Horace Fletcher. Do you know who that is? <laughs> no. Did he All have right. something to do with arrows? <laughs> no. He's a Fletcher. He puts the the feathers on the arrows. Fletching. That shows how much I know about arrows <laughs> all right horace oh shoot i just turned my laptop off okay horace fletcher is also known as the great masticator 
Oh my god. Do you does this ring any bells? I know what mastication I, is. Okay, what's mastication? He's uh That's chewing. Not, that doesn't count as your a chewer. Yeah. So he um he uh, sort of created this method of chewing your food um, and spread it to the rich and wealthy you... of America um, in the late, um, what is that, 1900s? So, like, about, shoot, I wrote it down. Oh, um, wait. Oh, I just wrote down how old he is, not years. No, just tell me how old he is. So, okay, so when he was 46, he started spreading this um, movement around and um all right um the first question is what do you think he called this movement the mastication movement no no that's not my answer but the, the, that's your guess the, no 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 his, his movement yeah of yeah, yeah. chewing yes it's um, a, it's like a theory of how you should chew oh it's a chewing theory um what do you think it's called uh chew chew all aboard the mouth <gasps> train oh no it's Mm, I'm gonna give you a half point. Write that down. Oh, ah, Write that down. Okay, ah, because it's how, what he called it was Fletcherism, but the media referred to it as the Choo Choo Cult. <laughs> so you were you said Choo Choo, so I'm gonna. Give I wanted you a to point. do something with trains. Half point. Okay. No. Half point. No. Um, but his theory was, um, basically just chew your food, mm-hmm. and he wanted people to chew their food until it turned into a pulp in their mouth and the theory is you don't swallow any solid food ever you if you're you just <laughs> chew something until it's liquefied and you can't help but swallow it and then the rest of it you just spit out Ew. So, you, so you are never gonna be eating solid food did, did you choose okay be honest okay. with me did you choose this topic because you know i hate the sound of chewing no but i love that ready no stop <laughs> someone give me a cookie <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, I just I I pressed um random on Wikipedia. And you got some And then it chewist. came up with Horace Fletcher and I was like captivated. So, so when when they would chew you you're like a liquid you're like a bl- a blender? Yeah. So he would chew things for up to like at a speed of 100 chews a minute to get it to this pulp. And so the What I, the heck? So he, he's just got... Yeah, yeah. Just super quickly. And it's the idea is it's oh prepping God. the food for digestion. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, was this guy a doctor at all? No. He's he just was, some dude? So here's a, here's his story. Is um, He okay. lived in Japan um, for I don't know how long in his life. Mm-hmm. But about 40, he um, was feeling just awful. And he would say that he felt like an old man. Um, and so he got turned down for a life insurance policy by doctors because they were like, you're too much of a risk. We're not going to give you a policy. Mm-hmm. And so he quit his job, like um, shut down all his affairs and dedicated his life to figuring out how to get healthier. <laughs> how to he chew was, properly. He, it says he was, uh, he, he wrote a book. Um, uh, did he chew on that book? Which I can't. Did he eat that book? What? No, but he was 5'6 and weighed 120. Uh, 207 pounds so he was like kind of a bulkier yeah gentle fellow bulkier guy and he just like felt awful and so he started um thinking about how our bodies are supposed to be digesting food and he, he discovered the first step is chewing so he just got really focused in on this um so so he must have yeah, really liked so soup. The whole theory was 
He's chewing more. That makes you tired, so you eat less, actually, because, like, you're chewing so much that oh. you kind of get worn out instead of just, like, swallowing all your food. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you buy less food, and then you're saving money. He, right? he turned eating into a chore, man. Well, that's that's kind of what... It was, like, a huge dedication. Uh. I read something about this guy who was kind of testing his theories more recently i'm not i'm not sure when but not like when it was popularized um but he would dedicate like a year and a half and for all his meals um just do this method to like test out if it worked and it kind of did oh um oh i was gonna say something else um oh and you can only eat when you're really really hungry oh and oh, here's question number two. You can't eat when you're sick. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's not half it. point for you. But you can't eat when you're feeling sad or mad or worried. Oh. So even if you're really hungry, you have to wait until you're like in a better mood to be eating. You have to be. That was like a rule. Happy, hungry, and tired in the mouth. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Very. I bet he had a really good jawline. He was probably ripped in the jaw. Right? He probably had like a six pack on his cheek. Oh, I want to pull up a picture, but I don't want it to like give you information. Here, I'll pull up a picture. What? Is there something crazy about him? No, I just want to, I just want to admire his Did he sharpen his teeth into points or something to help him chew? No. Here, wait. So he just kind of how do you like, come up with this idea? He just like was like, oh, the first step in eating is like, chewing. Yeah, basically. Oh, he does not look like a happy fellow. No. <laughs> well, no, no, he doesn't. He's the great masticator. The great masticator. Wow. All right. Um, you think that's like the na- the nickname of like a dinosaur? Like the T Rex is like <laughs> the king of the dinosaurs. The Brontosaurus is the great masticator. Hmm. Well, I don't. Well, I was trying to think of something to relate to that, but I don't. I don't even know the kinds of things he ate. Oh, he thought that you should. I didn't write this in my notes, but mm-hmm. he thought that you should um, only eat things if you knew all the ingredients in them, which is kind of oh. uh, people do that today. Yeah, people are coming um, back around to that. Yeah, but so he would only eat things that, like, if he was sure he knew everything that was inside of it, like. Like you know, raw egg. vegetables and stuff like that, and or I guess cooked vegetables. So did too. he like eat a lot of raw stuff, or he just like? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he as just long wanted as, to know all the ingredients. Yeah, you just want to know everything that's in it. Like you don't. He was like avoiding, chem- which I'm sure it was easier to avoid chemicals in like the 1870s. Kaylin, I've got a, but... I've got a sad truth for you. Everything's a chemical. <laughs> So it's kind of hard to avoid them. What do I call that? Artificial chemicals? I Yeah, I guess just like that's, uh, well, I guess that's... preservatives and junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. All those things on the back of your cereal box that you can't pronounce. Yeah. Like yeah. iron. Like iron. It's a hard word to say. <laughs> um, iron. He became a millionaire giving lectures. What? Giving lectures around the country. Um, <laughs> and he lived with his... Um, his wife no. and daughter in Venice, um, and his wife was a painter, and his daughter was a journalist, and also the guinea pig for a lot of his mastication experiments. Oh, that's so not, I don't he would like just this. be like, "I'm gonna test this, but also you should test it." Um, at age fifty-eight, he um, 
was part of, he kind of, he arranged an experiment at Yale um, that set him and his physical strengths against a bunch of college athletes. So this is just a bunch of, this is just a guy that like was like, I've invented a new way of chewing. He's a millionaire because he can, he's taught people well, how to chew. It's, it's a chewing method and it's like a, it's... It's like a ideology. Kind of reversed his like he wrote a book called How I Became Young at Sixty. Oh. Um. So basically, he thought that this renewed a lot of youth in okay. him, and he got a lot of energy from it. So, um, if you can name one of the um, um, exercises that he outperformed these college athletes in, you can get a point. <laughs> Chewing. No. Ah, exercise. Wait, I'll dang. give you another shot. Go okay. Um, uh, just like Sorry. lifting weights. No. What? Well, at least that's not one of the ones that an article okay. told me. What are so these it says he outperformed in deep knee bending, <laughs> uh, holding out his arms. Whoa. And... Doing calf raises on some crazy ass machine. Dang. Yeah. He's I just really flexible, any... I guess. Um, maybe. Yeah. Well, and endurance. If he's holding out his arms, I don't. I think it's. I don't know which. I don't know if it's straight in front of him or. It said horizontally, so I think just just out, like wingspan ways. But yeah. That gets hard after a long time. He's just used to pain because he's been putting himself through all this pain. Yeah endurance in the jaw yeah. he's got that mental exactly. endurance um so how many that was three questions that was three questions yeah i have one point total all right um oh he was also very interested wait was it three questions yeah okay good just because i want to build up to this one so Ooh. he was very interested in human excrement as um evidence of their true nutrition and he encouraged childrens to look at their, um, he gave it a fancy name to make sure that it doesn't smell or look weird. It's, it's, um, it's poop. But mm -hmm. can you guess the fancy name he gave it? Uh... I'll give you the, actually, I'll give you the first part because this one's really hard. Okay. So he called it Digestive Blank. Um, it's, well, with him it's like. It's got to all be about, like, all about, like, chewing out, like, the right nutrients. Interesting. So, I'm going to say it's something, like, stuff that you weren't supposed to eat in the first place. So, like, digestive... Digestive stuff you weren't supposed to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, digestive junk. No, um, it's going to be, like, digestive... Uh, digestive, like... Oh, it's so good. Leavings? Oh. Um, in a similar vein. I, come on, tell okay, me what it is. Okay, it's digestive ash <laughs> is what he called it. Okay. I I think it's because I didn't find this in any place in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, But another article I was reading said he was thinking of the body as a machine. Was part yeah. of his whole theory. You know, like food is fuel and... um, um. Uh, a couple other things that I did. Oh, it was like blood is steam. That doesn't um, make any sense. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I get, maybe uh, I'm thinking like ash, yeah. like maybe in the time, um, 
like, be like machines the, would produce ash. Yeah, it'd be the so. byproduct, the waste. Yeah, right? if you were burning something, but, that's which fuel, is, like fire is fuel. I don't know. Thinking of the human body as a machine is like... But it makes it's, sense. Like, that's what's left over once you burn out all the energy. Yeah, it's, is it simplifying it, though? Or is it like... Oh, you're totally. thinking about it wrong. Because it's like a completely different process from, like, burning fuel. Well, it is, but isn't it still like you're still... Like, you're using that fuel. Like, an, like a fire burns the fuel of... Yeah, I, get, I, mean, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a dietitian. Oh, I think only Horace I just eat really pizza knows. rolls and garbage. You better chew that. Just, oh. You're just swallowing them like pills. <laughs> yeah, I just swallow a whole just pizza roll. get your glass of water and... <coughs> I, I should have masticated better. Yeah, you should. Don't chew pills. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Well, I was, I'm just... I was saying, I, I swallow pills dry sometimes, and people always make weird faces at me for doing that, but I'm not really great at doing it with water. Do you think... It makes me nervous. He chewed pills, too? Hmm. He probably didn't do medicine. He probably... <laughs> he, he, I, don't, I don't do medicine anymore. I don't put a medicine in my um, machine. Maybe. I mean, because he was painting himself as this picture of youth as, hmm. you know, a man at, at 60. That was his whole thing. Yeah. All right, I think I'm going to give you my last okay. My last question now. So, he had three steps, three major rules to Fletcherism. Okay. One, only eat when you're really super, super hungry. Okay. Number two, chew food to a pulp and then drink it, never swallow food. Mm-hmm. And three. I have to guess the third one? Yes. Three. Okay, so. It's the third rule. What was the first one again? First one is only eat when you're super, super hungry. Super hungry eating. Chew, chew two, a lot. Chew food to a pulp and then drink it. You're never mm. swallowing solid food. You're just, you chew it until it, it naturally wants to just go down your throat and you don't even think about it. Yeah. It's got a, I don't know, uh, just a smell in your poop, kids. Ooh, so close. No. So you're talking about the kids it smelling three, their poop? three is... Sip drinks. Sip drinks. <laughs> you can only sip your drinks. He's like, dang, I, I wish you could chew you your drinks. You can't chug. <laughs> he didn't believe in chugging. This guy's all about small bites. and. <laughs> he's just, he likes little things. I like the little bits. Yeah, he takes his time. Mm-hmm. So it would take him like probably hours to. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess if you get if you get tired out. You're so done. maybe not. You're. That's it. When you're too tired, you're done. I guess. I guess. Man, eating had to be a meal had to be like an eight-hour production with this guy, didn't it? Probably. I mean, he was a millionaire, so yeah, he probably afford it. Oh, and I wanted to say, I'm gonna find who it was. There's a couple like very rich guys that he, um, kind of brought along on this movement. Let me find who it was. Oh, he's got some uh, groupies. Yeah. Um, He's got an entourage. Upton Sinclair. Upton Sinclair. Yeah. Who wrote um, a book? A book. The Jungle. It's the about jungle. Chicago. It's about Chicago. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's Upton Sinclair. Um, Henry James. Don't, I don't know who that is. And some... John D. Rockefeller. What? <laughs> Rockefeller. And, um, Mark Twain once went to his house in Venice. Did he come over for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, honey, I gotta, I gotta go over this, this, uh, I gotta go to Venice. this masticator's house. Get and... off my steamboat. Yeah, we're gonna Venice. have dinner. 
we're gonna have dinner he's gonna tell me about his new health craze and it's like comes back 12 hours later he's like honey i've been i've been i've been chewing all night i just gotta go to bed this is mark twain Twain. oh i'm thinking edgar Allan poe was married to like his cousin he was like 13 oh yeah he probably wouldn't have let's google it Uh, mark twain probably married his cousin too it was a different time back then Huckleberry Finn. Um, I don't know. It doesn't say he was. Married. He might not have been married. He's got to be married. I don't know. Mark Twain married? Question <laughs> mark. Is Mark Let's Twain single? <laughs> Ooh, he was married to Olivia Langdon Clemens. Oh. For like thirty-four years. Wow. Wow. That's pretty good. That's better than a lot of people these days. I know. <laughs> With their. T- I don't know. Was she an author too? I don't know. Probably not. What was she? (laughs) Here's what we don't know. Ooh, courtship. What did he do? Ooh, they were engaged two months later? Wait, wait. No, no, no. Marky moves fast. Ooh, they went to a Charles Dickens reading on their first date. (laughs) That must have been boring. Not a fan of him. He's so It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. When I had to read Charles Dickens in high school... I had to also listen to the audiobook while trying to read with the page. Oh, so you cheated. Because my eyes would just like cross. You know how I got. You know how I got through the boring part of Great Expectations? The whole book? Uh, Yeah, I read it in an Irish accent (laughs) out loud. Oh my God, because you were in that play. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah. No, I don't. I had to do an Irish accent in a play. So I'm like, I can can kill two birds with one stone here. I read. uh, What was it? Great Expectations? That's my school hack is just. You can listen to the audiobooks of things. You can. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the content you get out of it. But reading is an important skill. You think? Anyways. No, I don't think. Anyways, all right, sorry. did you have a That's bonus question for that, or was? Oh, um, let me think. Your question is, um, at what age did he die? So he was sixty when he did the Yale thing. He was 58 when he did the year. Oh, he was 58 when he did the year? He, I don't know. He, he seems to be, like, in take, in good health, at least. So I'd say maybe, I don't know, they didn't, how long did they live back then? 89. 89. 69. <laughs> he died of bronchitis. Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Right, I feel bad all. for laughing. For okay, my topic. Good guy. My, 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 my topic. Intense man. Is there a moral to that story, Caitlin? Um, the moral of the story is um, chew your food. <laughs> like that ASMR. Yeah. My, the moral of the story I got out of it was chew fast, live fast. Ooh. Ooh, wait, that's catchy. I'm going to come up with another one. Um, it is double check your poop. And if you have any concerns, see a doctor. Might be bronchitis. <laughs> My poop smells like bronchitis. Okay. Just look for bacteria. All right. All so, right. my topic. Yes. Tell me a bedtime story. Is sliced bread. <laughs> which no, is a loaf. Not. It is. It is a loaf of pre of bread pre sliced with a machine. Oh no. So my first question for you, starting right off the bat. 
What <laughs> was the greatest thing before sliced bread? Um. Um. Dolly Parton. Wait, that's a dumb answer. That's just the first lady who popped into my head. I was thinking Judy Garland for some reason, but I was... Okay, anyway. Go on. So, no, I'm not going to give you points for that. That's a hard <laughs> question, though. Um, so, basically, the, the phrase, the greatest thing since sliced bread, kind of derived from this tagline that uh, sliced bread was kind of marketed with early on. And it was... The- Toaster. No? No, no, no. Okay, okay it what was, was, it was toaster invented. That's the I think the, that's toast- the topic I really So want. so for my research, I think I saw that the toaster was invented before sliced bread. Like right before though. This is like age oh, of invention. For English muffins. So, understandable. So the the best thing before the greatest thing since sliced bread kind of derives from since this. Since sliced bread or before sliced bread? The, 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 no, okay, okay. These timelines are fine. Caitlin, Caitlin. <laughs> the question I asked you was before sliced bread. But the, 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 the phrase everyone knows is what? the greatest thing since sliced bread. Wait, what's bread. the answer? Well, you, if you'd <laughs> let me speak. Okay. I'm too so, excited. So the phrase, the greatest thing bread. since sliced bread, kind of derives from the slogan that was used to market uh, sliced bread early on. And it, it's the greatest step forward since bread was wrapped. So I, oh. I would have accepted wrapped bread as the answer to that question. <laughs> it's pretty stingy. So who invented sliced bread? Otto Frederick Rowetter was born in 1880 to German immigrant immigrants. Oh, I was going to say German. Or I was just going to say German. Because Otto Frederick? Yes. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's Rowetter. It's kind of a giveaway. Rowetter. I don't know. I'm going to say Rowetter. All so right. he was born in 1880 to German immigrants, and he spent his childhood in Davenport, Iowa. Ooh. Uh, he earned a degree in optics in 1900 from what is now Northern Illinois College of Ophthalmology and Autology. Oh, yeah. Northern Illinois, really? Yeah. Uh, but then he became a jeweler. I wonder if that college advertises, like, like uh, one of our loves is invented invented sliced, sliced bread. bread. Well, he didn't really use his degree um, for that because That's he true. became a jeweler. He owned three jewelry stores in St. Joseph, Missouri. He's so, going all over the Midwest, isn't So, he? in St. Joseph, Missouri, he operated those uh, jewelry stores. I think it was for, like, seven years or so. So, he was operating... He got... Um, a good bit of cash money from that, and but he noted he he overheard um, complaints from housewives about slicing bread. So what was the issue with slicing bread by hand? What was the complaints that he heard? Oh, um, the bread gets smushed when you try and cut it; it all gets squished down. That's a good Ooh, guess. That's not it. I'll they give you another guess. Off their go- <gasps> there, that's that's <gasps> no! right. yeah, okay. So so uh, no. So what? That's that's part of the complaint. So, um, really, he noticed that complaints from housewives that slicing bread was burdensome, time-consuming, and even dangerous because you were you had to have like a sharp knife to cut bread, so people would like cut their fingers and stuff. Oh, because you're if you're using a dull knife, it gets smushed. Yeah, and sometimes bread one, is really hard. To cut. Ooh. Yeah. Well, they're not cutting off their fingers left and right, but oh, it's like okay. it's like it's just a little it's little mix it's like there and there. Duh, I don't like slicing bread. It's a chore, basically. Oh, like folding laundry. So, <laughs> so Otto was convinced that he could create a bread slicing machine. So what he did was he created a questionnaire and he placed it an ad in several large newspapers, asking. Um, so there's a questionnaire and it was for the purpose. 
of this was he said for the purpose of determining a thickness of a slice which would most nearly which would be most u- nearly universal in acceptance and then he managed to get 30,000 responses from housewives in just a few months with thickness of bread yeah 30,000 there's nothing else to do as a housewife so it's the equivalent of like posting a poll on facebook yeah well, not even well, it's got less kind of reach silly, than but... that probably it's like harder to that's true and you, more effort well, to write back on. in but 30,000 responses whoa so in 1916 he sold his jewelry stores to fund the development of the machines he bought a warehouse and began prototyping uh the first challenge he faced was the fact that sliced bread doesn't maintain freshness for very long because you're chopping it up and you're getting air in it and it kind of stales out a little bit faster so Question number three. What was his solution to keeping to, bread oh, fresher? Oh, to keeping bread fresher? Mm-hmm. Sliced bread fresher. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My first thought was lemon juice. Um, but that's not it. Because <laughs> then you're about to be wet. Guess again. <laughs> okay. Um, s- salt? No, it's not actually anything he added to it. So his first oh. solution... So so basically his solution was to hold the bread together. So his first solution oh. was to insert a long hat pin to hold the loaf together. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So after... And then you get a free hat pin. You get a free hat pin. Purchase. Yeah. Score. Uh, but but uh, the bakers that tried these out uh, complained that they would routine, routinely fall out. So oh. for a year, he basically just went back into his warehouse and he just feverishly sketched blueprints. <laughs> to them. Of straight lines for hat pins. So this was 1916. In 1917... Oh, it's not a hat pin blueprint. That's what I was no, 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 no. The, the like, blueprint for, for keeping that bread together. Yeah, but, okay. I'm with it now. But... God, I'm so but, dumb. In 1917, his factory, his prototype, and all of his blueprints were destroyed in a fire. (gasps) No. Completely set him back. So he was completely out of money because he had had spent all his money from selling his jewelry stores. What? He sold the jewelry stores? Yeah, he sold all those jewelry stores to fund his venture. So he he basically had, like, nothing left. Why wouldn't you keep one open and have it as, like, a... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right? Just like someone else can run it for you. How much does a warehouse cost? The... Keep one jewelry store open, okay. you know? Yeah. Have a little extra, you know, spending money. Yeah. So you so you could say... Isn't um, all money spending money? <laughs> all money is spending money. What's the point of money? You wow. spend it. That, you sound like such an adult right now. <laughs> sound like an old lady. <laughs> spending money. Don't spend it all in one place. So you could say that um, all of his work was toast. <laughs> did you do this topic just so you can make that joke no 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 i i just wanted to do it because it was the best thing <laughs> since sliced bread oh okay um oh so yes. otto didn't give up he worked as an investment and securities agent so he bought and sold stocks bonds and like treasury things for for other people to support his family and to rebuild his funds so in 1928 that's like 10 years later he mm-hmm. finally has a fully working machine ready. And now it's wrapping loaves, not with a hat pin to hold them together, but wax paper to hold them together. Oh, Smart boy. what were they wrapping bread with before? I don't know. I don't know. Just Like unwaxed paper? They were just giving them loaves of bread, I guess. <laughs> Here, catch! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So this 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 uh, quote is from a 1928 issue of Modern Mechanics, praising his design, the ingenuity of his design. Two banks of thin, sharp steel blades are utilized. The cutting edges are all in the same plane and alternated so that while one blade moves upward, its immediate neighbor moves downward. As the blades pass through the soft bread, the loaf closes immediately behind the blades and keeps the air out. These perfect surfaces fit snugly against each other and adhere surprisingly, thus retaining the freshness of the loaf. Say that ten times fast. No. (laughs) (laughs) Modern mechanics and their wordy descriptions. See, I I listened to the first part and then I got caught up figuring how the blades are working. Yeah, I I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't picture it either. But but I think I I get it. Quotes make me sound more uh, well researched. So. Yeah. So. So this this was like an ingenious bread cutting design. You know, mm-hmm. never been done before. So, I, I I still think it's crazy. Like ten years, and no one else had made one, like a bread cutting oh, machine. Oh, no one else was this interested. Yeah, in it bread. was just it was just Rowetter. Surprising. So, however, when Rowetter Otto tried to sell his machine to bakeries, he was scoffed at, because the machine was perceived as too bulky and too complex for everyday bread. It was like five feet by three feet. Oh, it was like big. Um, so, as a last resort whim, Rowetter asked his friend, Frank Bench, a baker on the brink of bankruptcy, to give the slicer a shot. So, this is a quote from Rowetter's son. When no one else in the world would give my father's machine a try, Frank Bench did. Aw, Frank Bench. I know, right? But he's like on the brink. I'm going to do benches. So, this was actually... Wait, what now? <laughs> so, next week, I'm going to do benches. <laughs> So, um, he was on the brink of bankruptcy, and he had, he invested a good amount of money into this bread slicing machine. It's not a cheap machine. Um, so this guy just took, like, a wild shot. Um, so the machine was installed in Chillicothe, Missouri, at the Chillicothe Baking Company. And the first slices of sliced bread <laughs> were sold July 7th, 1928, produced with the name Clean Made. Mm. Um, these slices these pre-sliced bread ready sliced bread became immensely popular within two weeks Frank Bench's bread sales increased 2,000% 2,000%? yeah this guy went from bankruptcy to being the hottest baker in town that means if he was only selling one like bread he'd be selling 2,000 loaves what? I know that's it's ridiculous this is uh this is justin from the future if you can hear me uh you're bad at math uh two thousand percent of one is 20 well gotta go back to the future bye good for you frank ben i know and otto otto was uh, otto is the the son of two german immigrants and now he's got like this great machine that like Makes people well, want bread. The Germans are very efficient. <laughs> yeah. German engineering. <laughs> so, it starts here. So in 1930, that's two years later, um, an entire business was built around sliced bread. The New York-based Continental Banking Company and their product, which marketed nationwide and brought the popularity of sliced bread to new heights. But what was the name of that product? Question four. Um, repeat the question. So... What was the name of the product that was the New York-based Continental Banking Company owned this product, which they marketed nationwide and brought the popularity of sliced bread to new peaks? 
Wonder Bread? It's Wonder Bread. Oh my god, I it's Wonder Bread. <laughs> Wait, what's our point total? I don't what's know. What's your update? I had one. Got... Yeah, you got one total. Yeah. And now I have one? Yeah. So I could beat you. Oh, you could still beat me, yeah. You've got oh five and uh, the bonus question left. I have five questions left? No, no, you've got question number five. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I've got like a million questions about sliced bread for you. <laughs> I gave you every chance okay. in the book. Okay, so I think this stat's really crazy. In 1933, that's three years after Wonder Bread is launched, nearly every large baking company had one of Rowetter's machines, and 80% of bread in America was sliced. Wow. Yeah. How much bread in America is sliced today? Do you have that stat? Uh, I don't have that stat. I'd imagine it's even higher than that. It's mm-hmm. probably like 90%. Because like, if you go buy bread... you can still buy bread... Yeah. Not sliced. Well, it's pro- it's mustard? probably still around 80% then. You think so? Yeah, cuz like oh. I don't know. Hmm. My guess? It's a good stat. My guess is 96% pre-sliced. 96% pre-sliced. That's my guess. Do any bread experts out there? Um, yeah, call into the show. Call in <laughs> right now. We'd love to hear your opinions. The phones aren't ringing. They're not they're staying on their hooks. <laughs> No one knows anything about bread. So, the effects of sliced bread. Ooh. It's more uniform and somewhat thinner, thinner slices, uh, which meant people ate more bread and more bread at a time because of the ease of getting another piece. Oh. So, people would consume more bread. So, with that, there's also an increase in consumption of spreads for the bread, like jam. So people are just eating bread left and right because they can just fit it right in their mouth from the bag. They don't have to cut it. But there's a dark time for sliced bread. No. 1943, the sliced bread ban. What? Was enacted January 18th, 1943 by Food Administrator Claude R. Warwick. Question number five is why? Ooh. Um... Ooh, wait. Oh, wait. No, I've got six questions. Yeah, keep answering this plus one. Plus a bonus? You know what? Yeah, plus a bonus. Oh. Yeah. Why Why was there a ban mm-hmm. on sliced bread in 1943? Who banned it? Uh, the food administrator, Claude R. Warwick. Man. Um, because he had celiac <laughs> disease. He was gluten-free and pissed. He was pissed that so much people were eating bread no 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 it was a wartime conservation that's measure that's a good answer though yeah that's a good answer the one Ooh. guy's personal agenda on <laughs> sliced bread uh curb i can't eat it no one can this is like the most popular kind of bread in america it was sliced and one guy's like <laughs> so there are three like, reasons <laughs> there are three reasons why they decided to yeah. to ban bread that it was sliced. Um, they wanted to save wax people, wax paper, and steel. Um, steel from the bread machine, oh, and then right. wax paper because it, you you had to use more wax paper to bag sliced Did bread. Did they collect bread machines? No, wait. This is a very short lived. All right, band. keep going. Um, and they wanted to reduce the cost of bread because the Office of Price Administration had authorized a ten percent increase in flour prices because of oh, rationing okay. and stuff. Um, so the reception to the ban. New York City Mayor LaGuardia suggested that bakeries with slicing machines be allowed to continue using them. Because they had them already. Right. Like, why not just... Yeah. I mean, they're going to make bread either way. Exactly. That's so... 
interest like oh i was gonna say something that i totally forgot it was <laughs> cut that out no Wait, say everything you just said again so i can remember <laughs> what it was that i was thinking about okay okay new before york you rudely kept talking new york city mayor lagardia no before that what band reception oh i can't remember never mind Oh, the cost of the Office of Price Administration had authorized a ten percent increase in flower prices because of rationing. Man, I was gonna say something really freaking funny. It's not that funny now. Keep going. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it's all bread and circuses here. I'll think um, about it in like twenty minutes. New York City Mayor Lagardia suggested that bakeries with slicing machines be allowed to continue using them because Good. they already had them. Um this I, I thought was really cool. So in a New York Times letter from a housewife, uh, a di- like a disgruntled housewife uh-huh. about the ban, she wrote... Oh, here's what I was... No, 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 say it, say it. Okay, so he banned 80% of bread? If, if 80% of bread is being sliced? Well, th- it just means that you turn you don't use the slicing machine, you just sell the loaves. Oh, all right. Yeah. Gotcha. Keep going. Uh, because the slicing machines, you would just put a loaf in it and it would slice it. <clears throat> right. So the housewife wrote... I should like to let you see how important sliced bread is to the morale and saneness of the household. Because oh. without it, you'll go crazy. Uh, <laughs> my husband and four children are all in a rush before, during, and after breakfast. Without ready sliced bread, I must do one. I must do the slicing for the toast. Two pieces for each. One. That's ten. So ten slices mm-hmm. for everyone in the family. Total. For their lunches, I must cut by hand at least 20 slices for two sandwiches apiece. They eat a lot of sandwiches in that household. Afterwards, I make my own toast. 22 slices of bread to be cut in a hurry. That's like like a lot. Wow, that's that's intense. Um, They look less appetizing than the baker's neat, even pieces. Haven't the baker's already? Wait, that means this lady is buying like... Like at least two bags of bread. A she's day. she's probably got like she's a whole room full bread. of bread. Wow! Haven't the bakers already their bread slicing machines and for thousands of loaves? So like, mm-hmm. she's like, there I have them. Use them. I don't want to cut this bread. I should have to pay seven ninety five for one, and I cannot afford even a good sharp knife. Sue Forrester, Fairfield, Connecticut. So obviously, people were not happy. But then the ban was rescinded March 8th, 1943. Very short-lived ban, like three mm-hmm. months. Oh. So, question, I guess, six now. Okay. Why was the ban rescinded? Um, the FDA guy got too many letters from angry ladies. I'd, I'd love to have that be the case. Me too. It's not, though. Power. Do you have another guess? I want. I want. Oh. I want to hear another guess. Um. All the wives were writing to their husbands in the war <laughs> and complaining about it, and then they were writing to the FDA guy and it saying, "It's just another chain of letters." <laughs> Your second guess is just more letters. Okay. The wait. The wives were telling their children to write to their fathers, <laughs> who wrote to their senators, who wrote to the FDA guy. Uh, no. No. That's not right. Um. Because the band, the band, I thought that one was it. <laughs> I oh, I thought that was one. So the real reason was the band wasn't really conserving much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no actual shortage on wax paper. So that didn't matter. <laughs> this one paranoid guy. <laughs> like, what about the wax paper, man? We need the wax paper. What if they use it all? I parachute. 
Ah, we need makeup. Wow, look at us trivializing so, war. So there wasn't actually a shortage of black paper. The U.S. had actually stockpiled one billion bushels of wheat, which was enough to feed uh, everybody for two years, even if no more wheat was grown in the whole United States. Wow. Um, and it was not actually conserving a significant amount of steel since practically all bakeries already had their slicers and they weren't getting new ones. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was I'll, just like, I if your slicer broke, you were out of luck. We'll do the moral of this story after my bonus question oh, for you. okay. Or do you want to do the moral first? Um, ooh, I want to do the bonus question. Okay, first. okay. So this this isn't about sliced bread. This is about bread. Um, so the bonus question for you is: How old is the oldest known bread? Um. Do, 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 ooh. Do, do. Ah. Mm. I'll give you a hint. It's older than a bread box. <laughs> really? Is it? I'll give you Is another this hint. Is fossilized bread they found? Yeah, I'll, okay. give, you, I'll give you another hint. Oh, okay. It's older than agriculture. Whoa. Don't you need agriculture to make Well, you can bread? use wild grains and That's, stuff to oh, make bread. Oh, true. Agriculture is just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is... 12,000 years. That's really close. I'm going to give wow. you half a point for it. It's 14,000 years old. You were only off by 2,000 years. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So they were actually making it in that when you said that. So um, cool. it was a flatbread, and the ingredients include wild wheat, barley, and other grains, as well as a type of wild tuber. It predates agriculture in the region by 4,000 years. It was made by mm-hmm. hunter-gatherers in northeast Jordan. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Okay, what's the moral of the story? Uh, my moral is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Sliced bread became the benchmark of ingenuity through the spirit of innovation and dedication of its creator, Otter, Otto Rowetter. Wow, you wrote it down. Yeah. Um, I'd say the moral of the story is um, listen to ladies. They know what they want. Housewives drive innovation. Yes, that's true. It's true. It's true. That's why we don't innovate anymore. There's no housewives left. Well... Now they're all business wives. Yeah. I like it. Let's just turn this podcast into every day we do the history of a different kind of bread. Uh, okay, next week next time you'll I'll do, sourdough. do Okay, I'll do pumpernickel. Ooh, okay. Um and then I'll do French. I'll just get all the basics out of the way. Okay. Well I'll I'll keep doing some exotic one. I'll do okay. like garlic knots. Ooh, exotic. Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> Italian. <laughs> Alright. So that's that's what we know. That's what we know. I hope you know it now, too. A little bit more than you did before. There will be a pop quiz. After this Sometime. commercial. There's no commercials. I don't know. I'm just going to end it. All right. Bye. Bye.